Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping. Returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. As per the usual arrangement, on Sunday, Republicans reached a deal with Democrats to pass a $1.1 trillion spending bill that will avoid a government shutdown through September. Here's what's in the bill. Funding for Planned Parenthood, Obamacare, the Iran deal, the National Endowment for the Arts, and Sanctuary Cities. Here's what's not in the bill. Funding for Trump's planned border wall. Incredibly, the new omnibus even includes a measure to increase the influx of temporary workers under H-2B visas through September. But at least Republicans raised military spending, right? That's the take from Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, who has a bad habit of pulling such deals off with Democratic help. In 2013, Ryan cut a deal with Senator Patty Murray, Democrat of Washington, to raise sequestration caps, cut cost of living adjustment for veterans, increase taxes, and do so in exchange for empty promises of future cuts. On this bill, Ryan brags, quote, We have boosted resources for our defense needs without corresponding increases in non-defense spending. Of course, Republicans run both houses of Congress this time, and President Trump is in the White House, but no matter, the dreaded government shutdown has been avoided for the time being. Even the defense increases, by the way, are about half of what Trump wanted. Republicans caved again. They were elected to overturn Obamacare. They haven't and they won't. Even the supposed planned vote this week on Obamacare repeal does not repeal Obamacare. They were elected to build Trump's border wall. They haven't. There are no immediate plans to do so. They were elected to fund Planned Parenthood. They haven't. As Bloomberg points out, quote, Overall, the compromise resembles more of an Obama administration-era budget than a Trump one. The National Institutes of Health, for example, would see a $2 billion boost, reflecting the popularity of medical research among lawmakers. The deal includes $990 million for famine aid, along with a $1.1 billion boost for disaster recovery funds. More than 70 anti-environmental policy riders in the bill were defeated. No wonder Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said, quote, This agreement is a good agreement for the American people and takes the threat of a government shutdown off the table. You know who else liked the deal? Nancy Pelosi. Trump is now preparing to push forward the new health care plan, which doesn't repeal Obamacare. His aides say he's going to push for a massive infrastructure spending plan sometime in the next two or three weeks. Barack Obama would be proud of the Republicans. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So if all that sounds depressing, just wait for the rest of the show. But actually, we'll be getting to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which was, it just demonstrates that Trump's luck definitely extends to his opponents, because his opponents are the dumbest people alive. The, the journalists at the White House Correspondents' Dinner made complete fools of themselves. Before we get to that, I want to say thank you to our advertisers over at Ring.com. So most of the burglaries that happen in the United States happen in broad daylight with a burglar ringing your doorbell to see if you're home, and then once they know you're away, then they break into the house. Well, the Ring video doorbell means that when they ring your doorbell, it instead of going to your house, it also goes to your phone. That means you can pick up, you can say, I'm at home, what do you want? You can see who it is at your door. Ring video doorbell has been proven to stop burglaries before they happen by allowing you to see and speak with anyone approaching your door using your smartphone. Now, they have their advanced motion detection technology to protect your entire property that's called the Ring of Security Kit, which 
includes that Ring video doorbell I talked about. We have one installed at our home. Uh, we have the Ring stick-up cam. It's a wireless, weatherproof HD camera to keep an eye on the other parts of your property. It is imperative if you're worried about home security to get Ring. Okay, ring.com slash Ben. $150 off that Ring of security kit. Ring.com slash Ben. Uh, my wife is constantly afraid of a home break-in. I'm afraid of home break-in because I'm a public figure. And so that's why we have ring.com. Also gives us the ability to see who's at the front gate before we allow anybody to come onto the property as opposed to just an audio doorbell. Ring.com slash Ben. $150 off that Ring of security kit. And again, it's ring.com slash Ben. Join millions of people who already use ring.com to protect their home. Terrific product. Okay, so the White House Correspondents' Dinner happens over the weekend, and this was Trump's triumphant moment because while the White House Correspondents' Dinner is going on, this is happening apparently, uh, what was it, Saturday night that it was happening? Uh, this, at the same time this was happening, President Trump was giving a massive rally in Pennsylvania, which is really smart. It's really smart and it's really funny. He gives a rally at the same time mocking the members of the press. So we'll start with the members of the press who made asses of themselves. For eight years, they disappeared. Obama just was a good guy. Why do we need to watch this guy? There's no reason we need to watch this Obama fellow. And then Trump comes back into power, and Republicans are back in power, and suddenly they've awoken like the mummy. They've awoken from their sleep, and they've come to revenge themselves on all things Trump. So it started with Will Ferrell showing up at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Again, where was Will Ferrell the last eight years doing political comedy? Nowhere. He, he played Bush, and then he disappeared because all of the political comedians just decided it was no longer important to actually do political comedy for eight years because Obama was just such a magnificent fellow. Well, now Will Ferrell is back imitating Bush, and this time Democrats are doing the revisionist history where they say, yeah, we wish we had Bush back because Trump is so terrible. If you recall, they said the same thing about Reagan with Bush. So every time there's a Republican president, they say the last Republican president was so awesome. We miss that guy. So here's Will Ferrell doing that routine. George W. Bush. How do you like me now, huh? The, uh, the prodigal son has returned. You guys would always sneak up on me with gotcha questions like, why are we going to war? Gotcha. Why did you not respond to Hurricane Katrina? Gotcha. What is your middle name? Gotcha. This is the whole routine they did with Bush, how stupid he was, how terrible he was. Again, Obama was president for eight years. Did anybody in the media ask him, why did you go to war in Syria? Gotcha. No, nobody asked him that question because instead of going to war in Syria or doing anything about Syria, he handed it over to the Russians. Nobody asked Barack Obama about what he was doing at any time during his presidency, even though he was a horrible president. But Will Ferrell is back, and, and it's, it's like the Republicans never left power. Isn't that wonderful? That wasn't the most offensive part. White House Correspondents Dinner host Hassan Minhaj, uh, they, they brought out this Muslim comedian that nobody's ever heard of because obviously we need a Muslim comedian, not because he's talented, because he isn't, but because if he's Muslim, then it shows that Republicans hate Muslims if they criticize him. So here is, here is Hassan Minhaj blasting Trump. It's not bad that he's Muslim, by the way. It's bad that he's a crappy comedian. Here he is. You know, a lot of people told me, Hassan, if you go after the administration, it would be petty, unfair, and childish. In other words, presidential. So here we go. <clears throat> I get why Donald Trump didn't want to be roasted tonight. By the looks of him, he's been roasting nonstop for the past 70 years. Historically, the president usually performs at the Correspondents' Dinner, but I think I speak for all of us when I say he's done far too much bombing this month. Now, a lot of people in the media say that Donald Trump goes golfing too much. 
you guys are always like, he goes golfing too much, which raises a very important question. Why do you care? Do you want to do, do you want to know what he's not doing when he's golfing? Being president. Let the man putt-putt. Keep him distracted. Teach him how to play badminton. Tell him he has a great body for bobsledding. Play him tic-tac-toe. The longer you keep him distracted, the longer we're not at war with North Korea. Every time Donald Trump goes golfing, the headlines should read, Trump golfing, apocalypse delayed, take the W. This is great. It's I love this. Even if you guys groan, I've already hired Kellyanne Conway. She's gonna go on TV on Monday and tell everybody I killed. So it really doesn't matter. But I love, I love that everybody's drinking, having a good time. This is beautiful. You know Donald Trump doesn't drink, right? Does not touch alcohol, which is oddly respectable. But think about that. That means every statement, every interview, every tweet, completely sober. How is that possible? Okay, so he does, I can't imagine why Trump didn't show up for this. And I can't imagine why people thought this guy was terrible. Oh, maybe it's because he's awful. I mean, just by any objective measure, he's awful at this. At least you can say that Will Ferrell is a talented guy. I don't know where they dug this guy up, but this guy would have bombed at, like, the local comedy club. And they put him up in front of the entire nation, and he's supposed to be roasting Trump. And then, of course, everybody on the left said, he destroyed Trump. Note, Trump's still president. Just ridiculous. And then Samantha Bee gets up, the most obnoxious person on cable television. She's in a, a running gunfight with Trevor Noah and Amy Schumer and Lena Dunham to be the least funny person in America. And Amy Schumer gets up and she salutes the press because if there's anybody who needs saluting, it's the press that wrongly covered this election, that wrongly covered President Obama, that wrongly covered President Bush, and that is now feeding itself for being the greatest people on planet Earth. Here is Samantha Bee, the least funny woman in America. I give her the title narrowly over Amy Schumer. Here she goes. As much as I might love poking fun at the media, and as much as you all kind of deserve it sometimes, I know your job has never been harder. POTUS has convinced 88% of his fans that you're an enemy of the people. You basically get paid to stand in a cage while a geriatric orangutan and his pet mob scream at you. It's like a reverse zoo. But you carry on. You dig up misdeeds and fraud by the powerful. You expose injustice against the weak. And you continue to fact check the president as if he might someday get embarrassed. So tonight... Tonight is for you. Tonight, the president screams at a pen that Katie Turr is not in. Cheers. Okay, so they're toasting themselves because nothing says in touch with the people, cares about the need of the people, like people wearing $1,000 suits and toasting each other for doing basic journalism, which they ignored for the past eight years. And then the White House Correspondents Association president got up there and lambasted Trump, too. Again, remember, these are the journalists, right? These are the people who are supposed to be honestly covering this administration. Do they think they're going to convince anybody, anyone in America, that they are not just hateful, spiteful, angry people against the president of the United States when they do stuff like this? Or Jeff Mason of Reuters, who's the head of the WHCA. We cannot ignore the rhetoric that has been employed by the president about who we are and what we do. Freedom of the press is a building block of our democracy. 
undermining that by seeking to delegitimize journalists is dangerous to a healthy republic. So where was this guy when Barack Obama was sicking the DOJ on the Associated Press? Where was he when, when, the, when Barack Obama was directly attacking Fox News and talk radio? Where was he when Barack Obama was using the DOJ to target Fox News' James Rosen? And by the way, actually prosecute journalists. I mean, he prosecuted a bunch of journalists for, for supposed leaks. Where was he? Uh, he was gone, right? So for eight years, it was as though Barack Obama wasn't president. It just disappeared from memory. And there's a line uh, in Field of Dreams in which a, a very lefty character gets up and talks about how there was Eisenhower, for, for Republicans, there was Eisenhower, uh, and then there was, there was there, what, what was it? it was, he says something like there was three terms of, of, of Nixon, and then there was just skipped right on to Reagan, skipped the Carter years or skipped the Nixon years or whatever it was. Okay, th th that's actually what Democrats do. They think that there were two terms of Bush, and then eight years just disappeared down the toilet, and then there was Trump. They just went straight from Bush to Trump. Obama didn't exist in the middle. And then the capper of all of this, Samantha Bee, again, the least funny person, woman in America, she gets up there uh, on CNN and she's asked as though she's a serious person on State of the Union. Jake Tapper, who I generally like as a reporter, but Jake Tapper asks Samantha Bee what she thinks of the current state of the country. And she says she drops this awe-inspiringly stupid line. Uh, Hillary Clinton's Samantha Bee I problem. Know. You, the, the, did you? I, I so didn't, flattering. I didn't know that there was a Samantha Bee problem, but let me read part of it to you. The Democratic <laughs> Party's problem in the age of Trump isn't really Jimmy Fallon, uh, who uh, you had criticized and others had criticized for mm -hmm. being too soft on Trump. Its problem is Samantha Bee, not Bee alone, <laughs> of course, but the entire phenomenon that she embodies, the rapid colonization of new cultural territory by a, an ascendant social liberalism. First, what's your response? And second of all, how does it feel to be you know, the, the face of the problem. <laughs> oh my God, my name was in an article. Um, it's me, it's not racism, it's just me. No, you know what, I'll wait for all, I'll wait for all that evidence to roll in and then I'll, then I'll make up my mind after that. <laughs> so just because there was no backup, it was just... A... Uh, you know, it's one person's opinion. D but one wonderful chap who one wonderful to have on the show. But yeah. let, me ask you, let me ask you a question. Does he have a larger, and you've addressed this on your show, mm -hmm. so remove yourself from it. Does he have a point okay. about smug liberals? I'm not talking about you, but, <laughs> but, 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 does, but is there a smug liberal problem? You know, that is something that I can't really, I mean, I, I, I just can't take responsibility for the way the election turned out. I just absolutely no, no, I don't, I can't. Is there a smug liberal You told liberal her not problem? to go to Wisconsin. I guess I'm, I guess, you know, I don't, I don't think there is. Like, I do the show for me and for people like me, and I don't really care how the rest of the world sees it, quite frankly. Well, uh, there, there's That's no great. smug liberal problem. I do the show for people like me and people like me. But there's no smug liberal problem. I don't care what the rest of the world thinks. There's no smug liberal problem. You just described the smug liberal problem. You do a show for you and people like you, and you don't care what anybody else thinks because you think that you are the repository of all knowledge, wisdom, and decency in the United States. But there's no smug liberal problem. No, what we have here is a smug liberal comedian self-awareness problem. That's what we have here. And this is the problem with the left. And this is why Trump is so ever-loving lucky. He's the luckiest man in America because the left is so smug. The left is so terrible and they can't even see it themselves. So Trump goes out there and he campaigns and he's talking to people he thinks are sort of the forgotten people, the people that Samantha Bee just said she doesn't care about because they don't watch her show. You know, those people, Trump talks to those people and then he says, look at that smug liberal. And everybody goes, yeah! You know why? Because he's right. Because they are smug leftists. 
That is a smug leftist. She is awful. She's sitting there in her expensive clothing on an expensive set with Jake Tapper. And before that, on an expensive set at the White House Correspondence Center with the people who are the repositories of knowledge. Remember when reporters in the old movies, they used to be people who wore like the battered derby hats and they were the men of the streets who chain smoked and they went out there and they reported on things that were happening on the ground. Now they go to the White House Correspondence Center and there were tails and a tie and, and Samantha Bee wears her very fancy suit and they go out there. And they jabber about how, what wonderful people they are. They've become celebrities in their own right. And this is what Trump hit. Now, I want to get to Trump's response because it was top-notch Trump in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our friends, our new sponsors over at Skillshare. So... I'm somebody who constantly loves to learn. I love learning. I love taking classes. It's something that I really enjoy. And in today's modern economy, you have to be broadening your skill set all the time. One of the big problems with the economy is people get stuck in their skill set and then they don't try to broaden it. That's what Skillshare.com is for. Skillshare.com allows professionals to get a leg up at work because when you subscribe, then you are able to get some new skills added to your resume. They have these 45-minute classes that... 15,000 of them in design, business, and more. You can learn everything from logo design to social media marketing to street photography, this entire set of skills. And then if you're bored with business skills, then you can do what I do. I took a watercolor class. Yes, believe it or not, I took a watercolor class at Skillshare.com. One of the most popular, actually. Super cool stuff. They have classes ranging from email marketing and social media marketing and SEO to illustration and watercolor and calligraphy. It's just a place to learn, and it's a place to broaden the skills that you need. Skillshare.com slash Shapiro. And if you go to Skillshare.com slash Shapiro, you can get a free month of unlimited access for free. Use that slash Shapiro at the end. Skillshare.com slash Shapiro. Again, 15,000 classes in design, business, and more. Super cool site. The classes are top-notch, easy-to-use, friendly and really educational, and you're not wasting your time because everything is very condensed so that you gain a new skill every time you take one of their 45-minute courses. Again, it's Skillshare.com slash Shapiro. Great site. One month unlimited access for free when you use that backslash Shapiro. Okay, so Trump responds to the White House Correspondents' Dinner with this rally. Very smart. He ignores all of the journalists feeding each other and patting each other on the back. And he was just going to go there and they were going to make fun of him. And then there were going to be pictures of him looking sour. So smart of him to skip it. I think it's a dumb event. And so instead, he went to this rally and here is him knocking the media. A large group of Hollywood actors and Washington media are consoling each other in a hotel ballroom in our nation's capital right now. (laughs) And that is why people like Trump, in a nutshell, that is why people like Trump. And people also like Trump because Trump, you know, he's on Face the Nation over the weekend. And here is Donald Trump catering to his crowd by basically ripping on John Dickerson, who is the host of Face the Nation. You know, it's very funny when the fake media goes out, you know, which we call the mainstream media, which sometimes I must say is you. But when the you fake me personally or uh, your show, I love your show. I call it Deface the Nation. But, you know, your show is sometimes not exactly correct. And everybody on the right loves this, of course, as well. They should, because the media are a bunch of leftist trolls who hate President Trump and hate the right. Now, the reason the left is scared of Trump is because of something Reince Priebus said over the weekend. Here's Reince Priebus talking about how the White House considered the changing, changing libel law, changing the First Amendment to the Constitution. This is why the left looks at people like us, you know, the people who say, look, the media is full of it. And they say, why aren't you scared of Trump, too? I mean, Trump is the one talking about changing the First Amendment. Change the libel laws. That would 
require, as I understand it, a constitutional amendment. Is he really going to pursue that? Is that something he wants to pursue? I think it's something that we've looked at um, and how that gets executed or whether that goes anywhere is a different story. But when you have articles uh, out there that have no basis or fact and we're sitting here on 24-7 cable uh, companies writing stories about constant contacts with Russia and all these other matters. Do so you think no the president should be able to all, sue the New York Times for that, stories he doesn't like? I think. I, think that, I think that newspapers and news agencies need to be more responsible with how they report the news. I am so, we can so, stop it there. I so think, that part is true, of course. Newspapers and news agencies should be more responsible. But this idea that you're going to revise the First Amendment, that does scare people. And it should scare people because if Barack Obama were saying it, everybody on the right would be going nuts. Again, this is my shoe on the other foot test. If Ryan's Priebus right now were Rahm Emanuel and he were saying the same things, would you be happy or would you be sad today? And the answer is you would be sad today because this is not something the president should be saying. But this is something I want to talk a little bit more about if you subscribe. So go over to dailywire.com right now, get a subscription for $8 a month. $8 a month will get you the rest of the show live. You can watch it live. You can also be part of the mailbag that we do on Thursdays here on the show. Lots of goodies coming. Also, if you're an annual subscriber, then you also get a free copy of Jeremy Boring's The Royal Fictional Film Set on the Southern Border, all about people using the Southern Border as a thoroughfare for drugs and human trafficking. A really, really good movie. So you can go check it out over there. Or if you don't want to become a subscriber right now, or you just want to listen to the show a little later, iTunes or SoundCloud uh, if you are listening on iTunes, please set, please uh, give us a rating and, uh, and leave a review. We always appreciate it. We are the largest conservative podcast in the United States. So here's the problem with Reince Priebus and the talk about deface the nation and all the rest of it. So people on our side of the aisle, people on the right, we eat it up because the media are totally full of it. And we look at Samantha Bee at the White House Correspondents' Dinner and we say to ourselves, what in the world is going on? This is just ridiculous stuff. And they deserve to be slapped. And we get it. But there is a problem. And I think Chuck Todd actually got this right, shockingly. I don't think Chuck Todd gets a lot right, but he got, I think he got this right. He said over the weekend that if you look at what Trump, something that Trump was, has been saying, he said over the weekend that he thought there might be a major, major war with Korea. And Chuck Todd said, listen, if Barack Obama had said that, we would have had Lester Holt in Seoul right now. We would have flown him there right now to cover it, right? If it had been George W. Bush, Lester Holt's in Seoul. Like, we send somebody there to cover it right now. Trump says things like major, major war with Korea, and everybody just kind of goes, eh. And the reason everybody goes, eh, is because Trump has sort of shredded his own credibility. And it shreds Trump's credibility when he says silly things, and then people in his administration feel the need to back it up all the way. So that's the libel law talk about the New York Times, and then Ryan's Priebus saying, we've considered a constitutional amendment to the First Amendment to push this. Okay, there's no backing for that. It's going nowhere. But you end up destroying Trump's credibility when you do this. And Trump is destroying his own credibility on a number of issues. And this is one of the great disconnects. People on the right keep saying he's doing a great job. He's doing a wonderful job. Here is the truth about his policy. Neil Gorsuch was great. Okay, now, aside from Neil Gorsuch, name the top legislative accomplishment of Donald Trump. I'm waiting. Still waiting. Okay, nothing has really happened under Trump. And the reason nothing has happened under Trump is because Trump doesn't really have an agenda and he doesn't understand his own agenda. Now, look, Trump is faced with a, an intractable problem in the Congress. He's got a Republican Congress that is heavily divided. He's got Tea Partiers. He's got establishment guys. He's got moderate Republicans. He's got everybody from Susan Collins up in Maine to people all the way on the right like Ted Cruz in Texas. That is a rowdy caucus for sure. But that is why presidential leadership is necessary. That is why you need a president who knows what he believes and does what he believes and pushes what he believes. Instead, Trump keeps going out there and saying things that are self-contradictory 
and it's leading people to ignore him. And a president who is ignored is a president who cannot be effective. The last president we had who was actually ignored was Jimmy Carter. He was a deeply ineffective president. Yeah, everybody was worried before Trump took office on the left that he was going to be some sort of authoritarian dictator. My worry on the right is that Trump is actually not going to get anything done except the stuff that he can get done with a bunch of Democrats in Congress, like a giant infrastructure bill, because he doesn't have the requisite leadership skills necessary and, more importantly, the viewpoint necessary in order to foster a conservative agenda. Here's a perfect example. So over the weekend... He's talking about Trump care. And the rumor is that this week there's supposed to be a vote on Trump care in the House. Now, last week I discussed at length why it is that the new version of Trump care really isn't very good, even though the House Freedom Caucus is signing on. Basically, it just allows states to opt out of some of the Obamacare regulations, but it doesn't relieve the Obamacare regulations from the states. So it doesn't say to the states, no more Obamacare regulations, do what you're going to do. Instead, it says, here's a bunch of Obamacare regulations that force insurance companies to do anything now. Do you want to be friends with the insurance companies? How many Republican governors do you know who are going to say yes to that question? The answer is not many. So anyway, there's this amendment, and this amendment is what got the House Freedom Caucus on board, this amendment that says states can opt out of Obamacare regulations. Donald Trump is asked about this by John Dickerson over the weekend. Here is President Trump. They are worried. Are they going to have the guarantee of coverage if they have a pre-existing condition or if they live in a state where the governor decides that's not a part of the health care or that the prices are going to go up. That's the worry. The American Medical Association says we actually have effectively a, make coverage completely unaffordable. Yeah, for people. We actually have. Well, for, forget about unaffordable. What's unaffordable is Obamacare, John. Right. So I'm people. not hearing you, Mr. President, say there's a guarantee of pre-existing. We actually conditions. have a, We actually have a clause that guarantees. OK, excellent. We, we have there. a specific. Let me ask clause you about your guarantees. tax plan. OK. No, he's wrong. So he says, again, this undercuts his credibility. He says we have a clause guaranteeing the pre-existing condition coverage will be guaranteed. No, they don't. No, they don't. The whole point of the amendment we talked about is to allow states to opt out. That's what Dickerson is asking about. So Trump just doesn't know what he's talking about here. The problem with him not knowing about what he's talking about is he can't then advocate for the bill. You have to know what's in the bill to advocate for it. Barack Obama, for all the crappiness of his presidency, knew what was in Obamacare. He knew all the crap that was in there. That was the problem. He was lying about the crap that was in there. Trump, but he, he, you have to actually know what's in there to lie about it. Trump isn't lying because he doesn't even know what's in there. So he's made the guarantee now that he's going to bring down costs and cover pre-existing conditions. He said this over the weekend. You cannot have a regulatory regime that forces coverage of pre-existing conditions and also say you're going to bring down costs. They are inherently self-contradictory. A square cannot be a circle. And Trump is saying a square can be a circle. It kills his credibility. It doesn't kill the legislative ability of Congress. Congress can still pass something and move it out, but it prevents him from being able to stump for something truly good if he's going to do so. Another example of him destroying his own credibility. Here was Trump on Kim Jong-un over the weekend, the leader of North Korea. What do you make of the North Korean leader? I have, I really... You know, have no comment on him. Uh, people are saying, is he sane? I have no idea. I can tell you this, and a lot of people don't like when I say it, but he was a young man of 26 or 27 when he took over from his father, when his father died. Uh, he's dealing with obviously very tough people, in particular the generals and others. And at a very young age, he was able to assume power. A lot of people, I'm sure, tried to take that power away, whether it was his uncle or anybody else. And he was able to do it. So obviously he's a pretty smart cookie. But uh, we have a situation that we just cannot let. We cannot let what's been going on for a long period of years continue. And frankly, this should have been done and taken care of by the Obama administration, should have been taken care of by the Bush administration, should have been taken care of by Clinton. 
What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Kim Jong-un is a mass murderer. Kim Jong-un is a guy who has his political opponents killed with weapons of mass destruction in airports. He's a smart cookie because he took over at 27 or something. Okay, wait till he learns that Caligula took over Rome at 24. Does that make Caligula a smart cookie? He inherited a kingdom of crap from his father. Okay, this idea that the Kim family is somehow smart for keeping millions of people in abject poverty and slavery is absolutely asinine, and the president of the United States shouldn't be saying things like this. And then, and then he says he's going to stand up to North Korea after that. And then he says he's going to stand up against human rights atrocities in Syria. But the next thing he does is he invites this guy named Duterte, who is the, who is the leader of the Philippines. He's the elected president of the Philippines. This guy is a human rights violator on a grand scale. This is the, the Philippine president, Rodrigo Duterte. Okay, he has killed literally thousands of people in a drug war. And without consulting, apparently, his State Department, according to reports, without consulting his own generals, without consulting anyone, Trump extended an invitation to Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte to come to the White House and then talked about how wonderful he was. He talked about how wonderful he was. Right? It's just crazy. Okay, Duterte apparently has, has killed thousands of people in the war on drugs. He, he, is, he has talked about how he thinks that's a good thing. And Trump invites him to the White House anyway, which is a violation of basic human rights notions. And here's Ryan's Priebus on the TV shows undercutting Trump's credibility again. Do so it matter now? No, it does, does that mean you're not? Absolutely a- not. It doesn't mean that hum- human rights don't matter. It, but what it does mean is that the issues facing us developing out of North Korea are so serious that we need cooperation at some level with as many partners in the area as we can get to make sure that we have our ducks in a row. Okay, so again, he's saying that they're, for, they're pro-human rights, but they're inviting Duterte, but he's praised Kim Jong-un, but he's praising Vladimir Putin. Just, it undercuts his credibility. You want him to be a successful president, you need him to stop undercutting his own credibility. And it just didn't stop over the weekend. It just continued going over the weekend. Trump, who spent the entire entire election cycle promising he would turn over his tax returns when his audit was complete. Now he says, even after the audit is complete, maybe I won't turn over my tax returns. When your Treasury Secretary was asked about whether you were going to release them, uh, Secretary Mnuchin said the president has no intention. Well, I never right? spoke to him about it. Honestly, he's never asked me about it. I said, number one, I'm under audit. Right now, I'm under audit. After the audit is complete, it's a routine audit, but I have a very big tax return. You've seen the pictures. My tax return is probably higher than that from the floor. When you look at other people's tax return, even other wealthy people, their tax return is this thing. My tax return is this high. I just want to make I'm sure I'm under routine me. audit, and I think it's a very unfair thing because I have been under audit almost like since I became famous, okay? Have Not you- just political. I mean, I have been under audit, I'll bet you 12 or 13 or 14 years in a row. Now, I have friends that are wealthy people. Let me ask you They've this. never been audited. You've been it's very unfair. You uh, you first said that you were under audit and was going to wait till that was done about 14 months ago. That seems like a, a long time. When do you think this might happen? Are you asking them? It could happen soon. I don't know. I mean, I think What's, it's give me a I think it's there. pretty routine to uh-huh. be honest with you. Uh, but then I'll make a decision. Uh, member of Congress suggested that a condition for getting Sorry, tax right there. Then I'll make a decision. That was not what he said. Again, does any of this matter on any deep level? No. But every little chink in the president's armor with regard to his own credibility is something you can't get back. When you keep beating at your own credibility because you keep saying things that are self-contradictory, you end up undermining your case for the presidency and you end up with the first hundred days in which you don't actually accomplish very many things because people don't fear you. People don't love you. You get neither the love nor the fear in the Machiavellian dichotomy. Not Neither one is actually achieved because Donald Trump keeps saying things that are inherently self-contradictory. 
and and it's just it's just foolish. I mean, again, here's Trump. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but here is Donald Trump saying that maybe China was behind the election hacking because he spent the entire election cycle saying Russia was not behind the election hacking. Then he seemed to reverse himself, and now he's reversing himself again. When the American people think that the president has no credibility, it is a problem for him when it comes to pushing his agenda. Knowing something about hacking, if you don't catch a hacker, okay, in the act, it's very hard to say who did the hacking. With that being said. I'll go along with Russia. Could have been China. Could have been a lot of different groups. So President Donald Trump been. is ambivalent about, or not ambivalent, no, you're I'm just not. not sure. No, we have to find out what happened. I'd love to find out but what happened. But you don't think it's I the can Russian tell you system. one thing. It had nothing to do with us. It had nothing to do with this. And everyone knows it. And by the way, even my enemies on your show said we haven't found anything that the Trump campaign did wrong. But- Okay, and all of that part is true. But again, what China with the hacking? Like, this just, it's not useful. It's just not useful. And then, of course, you have Sean Spicer saying that the polls are still wrong. So now they're just going to deny all polls. There's a poll out this morning. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe he's right. The polls are wrong. But I'm still going to report the poll data because data is data, and you can take it with whatever grain of salt you see fit. There's a CNN ORC poll out today that has Democrats up nine on the congressional generic ballot come 2018. That's a disaster for Republicans. If Republicans lose the House in 2018, the Democrats will immediately move to impeach President Trump under all sorts of claims about uh, about emoluments and payoffs. They will impeach him. Trump will then be in serious political trouble. The Senate won't won't impeach him. Obviously, they won't convict him. He won't be removed from office, but it'll severely cripple him going into the 2020 election. And then the Republicans have a real problem on their hands. But still, Spicer is saying the polls are wrong. They're just going to blind themselves to the data that's out there. Let's talk about the 100-day poll. So when the Washington Post, ABC, and Wall Street Journal, NBC surveys say that Donald Trump is the least popular president at this stage in modern times, and there was a Fox News poll, which also had about 45% approval, the president tweets, fake news polls. What does he mean? Does he mean the polls are made up? Well, in some cases, these are the same polls and the same uh, demographical makeups of the polls that underestimated his win in the first place. I think when you look at the same polls that didn't understand the makeup of the country that got him 306 electoral votes, and you're using the same methodology to judge now, you recognize that there is a... In, in a lot of cases, the polling is misrepresenting a good degree of folks out there. Again, the, the polls were not wrong in 2016 on a national scale. The national polls were all basically correct. It was the state polls that were wrong. Ignoring poll data is a good way of putting yourself in a bubble. You know, we talked about Samantha Bee being in a bubble. You don't want the president of the United States to be in a bubble where all of his advisors keep reinforcing this, and no one is willing to cross him. None of his advisors are willing to say to him, President Trump, we got a problem here. We need to shift tactics with regard to some of the policy prescriptions that we have. Okay, let's do some things I like and then some things that I hate. So, things that I like. We're going to do 20th century classical music this week. I know everybody's tired of the classical music. Tough, as Samantha B says. I don't care. So, we're going to do we're going to do 20th century classical music. This is some music that you probably haven't heard. If you ever listen to the full piece that I'm about to play for you, it's the it's Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra. If you ever listen to the full piece of this, you can see where John Williams ripped it off for Star Wars. So there are a couple sections of, of Concerto for Orchestra, particularly I think it's the third movement, that is basically the, the music for the Jawas is basically ripped off directly from Concerto for Orchestra, third, third movement. Uh, the other place that he ripped it off uh, is another piece that I'll probably play tomorrow, Holtz the Planets. Um, it's very obvious that, that John Williams ripped off the, the, Darth, the, the Empire theme um, from that, and we'll play it tomorrow, and you'll see. If you never heard it, it's kind of amazing, actually. You can see exactly what was on the scratch track when they made the film. In any case, Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra, amazing, amazing piece. If you can get a recording, get the Fritz Reiner recording with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. 
which is fantastic. Uh, Bela Bartok was a, a, a Hungarian composer, uh, and he was a uh, he was a very nationalist composer. You know, really opposed the Nazis, um, and uh, just he he was he was famous for using dissonance in his work. Uh, he he used a lot of of dissonance. What 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 you'll hear in this particular piece is is dissonance even in the melodic part of the piece, and then there's this great upsurge with the horn section that's fantastic. I had them pull the, this is about half, two-thirds of the way through the first movement of the concerto for orchestra, and uh, I have to say, on a personal level, this always reminds me uh, of, in the Bible, it talks about the, the uh, basically the universe was tohu vavohu, it was a, it was a chaotic void, uh, and then there's creation from amidst the void, and that's always what this part of the, the music sounded like to me. The, the Nazis in Hungary, and he uh, and he actually had to leave. He had to flee Hungary because he opposed the Nazis in Hungary. And he refused to give concerts in Germany in the 1930s because he opposed the Nazis, uh, and then he immigrated to the United States. Uh, he was diagnosed with leukemia in about 1943, uh, which is about the time that he was uh, that he was commissioned to write the Concerto for Orchestra. Fantastic piece. Again, if you're going to get a recording of it, go get the Reiner recording, uh, which is the the gold standard. What's also cool about this particular recording is that because it was a, a live recording, I believe, or at least they recorded it live to tape, um, because they did that, um, they, they didn't have sophisticated recording techniques. They had three three microphones basically on the stage, one left, one right, one center, and so there's not a lot of remixing, so you sort of hear it as you would hear it in the concert hall. Fantastic, fantastic piece. Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra, terrific, uh, amazing composer. My dad, who's a composer, could tell you a lot more about the subtleties and complexities in the actual musicology side, but just fantastic music. Okay. Uh, other things that I like. So somebody tweeted this at me with apologies, and I thought that I would have to show it because it, this is why you need to subscribe because this is actually really funny. Somebody did a cartoon of me. Um, some people have too much time on their hands. That Somebody did a cartoon of me destroying a college student uh, with my eyes, like actually destroying a college student, and so uh, I, I felt like I had to show it. So you've supported, like, this really racist idea that healthcare should not... Uh, be for free and I just wanted to, to ask about that <laughs> 
Okay, so here's how this works, gang. Honestly, if you can't see that a universal healthcare system is bad for America, you're wasting my time, okay? Okay, folks, so the healthcare cost crisis didn't actually begin until the government got involved by creating Medicare and Medicaid because when you artificially stimulate demand, there's no incentive to lower price. Not to mention, you are not entitled to the product of somebody else's labor. That's called slavery, gang, okay? Th this is what would actually happen under a universal healthcare system. Here's what a single-payer healthcare system would actually do, okay, folks? It, it would actually make doctors literal slaves who would have to live in cabins on a plantation somewhere, all right, folks? And, and the idea, and the idea that doctors are just your slaves who can you can, you know, marry without their consent and, and then make half-doctor, half-regular people babies with. Okay, well, then what happens to the babies? Are, are they now doctors? Are they slave doctors who have to be doctors? Or are they free? Like, now what, gang? Okay, so that's why that system would just never work. But... But I, but I should just get health care. I should just get it for free. And that's how you talk to a leftist. And then at the very end, they bring in the thug life stuff. So it's really funny. Uh, you, you can go view it on YouTube if you haven't been able to see it here. Worth watching because the animation is half the fun. I don't know who does the impression of me. Um, my voice is, I think, a little higher than it is in that in real life than it is in that cartoon. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, I appreciate uh, the homage. I will take that as a compliment. Okay, uh, time for some things that I hate. So we begin things I hate with, uh, unfortunately, President Trump just said a lot of silly things over the last 72 hours. He did an interview with Selena Zito. Selena Zito is a very good reporter. Uh, she spent a lot of time in this election cycle going around to some of the blue-collar areas that the media was ignoring, and so she was feeded for the fact that she sort of saw Trump coming in a way that a lot of other members of the media didn't. Trump has now, uh, she asked Trump about Andrew Jackson, and you have to hear this exchange to actually believe that this happened in real life and that a president of the United States said these things. My campaign and, and win was most like Andrew Jackson right. with his campaign. And I said, when was Andrew Jackson? It was 1828. That's a long time ago. That's Andrew Jackson. And he had a very, very mean and nasty campaign because they said this was the meanest and the nastiest. And unfortunately, it continues. His wife died. Yeah. They, they destroyed his wife, and she died. And, you know, he was a swashbuckler. But when his wife died, you know, he visited her grave every day. I, I visited her grave, actually, because I was in Tennessee. Oh, that's right. You were in Tennessee. And it was amazing. The people of Tennessee are amazing people. Well, they love Andrew Jackson. They love Andrew Jackson in Tennessee. Yeah. He's, he's a fascinating I mean, had Andrew Jackson been a little bit later, you wouldn't have had the Civil War. He was... He was a very tough person, but he had a big heart, and he was, he was really angry that he saw what was happening with regard to the Civil War. He said, there's no reason for this. People don't realize, you know, the Civil War, um, yeah, was... you think about it, why? People don't ask that question, but why was there the Civil War? Why could, why could that one not have been worked out? There are no words. All the words have flown. There are, they've all been taken. What? What are you... No one asked why this... No one asked why the Civil War... No one? That's the most asked question in American history. Why the Civil War happened. It also has the easiest answer. Slavery. <laughs> why couldn't they have worked it out? Okay, Andrew Jackson was very concerned about what he saw happening with the Civil War. He died in 1845, 16 years before the Civil War broke out. So that wasn't weird. 
If he's sitting around in his coffin going, oh, I wonder why this is happening. What can I do to stop it? Maybe ghost skeleton Andrew Jackson. Okay, now, before you start tweeting me and emailing me and telling me how this is all just brilliant historical analysis by Trump and he really knew all about the nullification crisis of 1832, yeah, give me a freaking break. Okay, so a couple of things that are necessary to know. Even if you assume that what he's really talking about here is the nullification crisis, which he clearly is not, even if you say that he knew about the slavery gap that was happening in the United States and all of the fighting over slavery and opening slavery in the Western territories, even if you knew, you assume that he was deeply worried about this stuff in 1845 when he died. A few things worth noting. One, Andrew Jackson would have been on the side of the South in all likelihood. Despite the fact that he was a nationalist, he was also a slave owner who owned 150 slaves. At no point in his life did he ever say that slavery was a bad thing. So the idea that he would come down on the side of the federal government actually invading the South to stop slavery is absolute horse-pucky nonsense. It's just not true. In all likelihood, if Andrew Jackson had been president in 1861, he just would have cut some sort of deal with the South to extend slavery over a part of the course of the West, because that's exactly what happened in the nullification crisis. He threatened to go down South with federal troops, and then they cut a, a moderate tariff that basically split the baby between South Carolina and the rest of the Union on tariff policy. Second, if Trump is talking about how Andrew Jackson was so wonderful because he stopped the nullification crisis by threatening federal force, does he understand that the nullification crisis happened because of the so-called tariff of abominations passed by John Quincy Adams under his administration? It was called the tariff of abominations because it benefited the North and hurt the South. Hmm, just like some other tariffs I could think of. Hmm, can I think of anyone else who is pro-tariff? President Trump. Okay, other things to know about Andrew Jackson and the nullification crisis. Andrew Jackson threatened to go down south with federal troops. You know who else threatened to go down south with federal troops and then the Civil War broke out? Oh, yeah, that would have been Abraham Lincoln, who actually followed Jackson's advice, and then there was a Civil War. So, again, is this something where I think it's, like, the biggest deal in the world? No, but please don't tell me that this is all 40 hot yoga chess or some, non some such crap, okay? It isn't. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He read part of a book. He knows Andrew Jackson's name. The idea that, like, I'm just tired of the, I'm tired of the tomfoolery where I'm told things that are not true are true, okay? This is not brilliant historical analysis. It's just dumb, okay? And we can all just say, it's dumb. Now move off of it. But instead, we're going to do this whole routine where, you know, he was secretly right. And anyone who says he was secretly wrong is just anti-Trump. No, okay? Now you're undermining your own credibility. I talked about Trump's credibility. Now you're undermining your own credibility because this is stupid. Historical illiteracy bothers me. It bothered me with Barack Obama, who was historically illiterate in a different way. He always had the leftist Howard Zinn rate of history, which is in some ways even worse than Trump's just ignorance. But it's sort of like in, in Passover, the wicked son versus the son who doesn't know how to ask. But still, this is just like... If you're trying to promulgate an image of yourself as anywhere near intelligent with a vision for the country, please don't say stupid things like Andrew Jackson would have stopped the Civil War and was worried about the Civil War deeply when he was alive. And did anyone know when Andrew Jackson was, who was president? 1828. Yeah, you know who knew that? Every grade school child. Every grade school. And, and ask a third grader why the Civil War happened. They'll give you a better answer than Trump just did on this particular issue. Again, it's not that Trump said anything that's so horrible or so impactful. The real problem here is two, twofold. If you're going to try to read into his comments, there are two things worth noting. One, he likes strength. That's what he says about Jackson. Jackson was very strong. And two, he thinks that anybody can make a deal, that if you're a great deal maker, you can solve any problem. Trump thinks of himself as a great deal maker and a very strong character. And so far, I'm waiting for both of those things to appear. Because if he's a great deal maker, let's cut some deals on health care and tax reform. Let's make it happen. And if he's a very strong leader, let's see him stand up to Russia and China in a way that's really effective as opposed to sort of fighting 
firing a few missiles into Syria and hitting a camel in the butt, and then threatening stuff about North Korea, and then immediately delegating out to China. If I'm critical of Trump today, it's because Trump deserves the criticism. Hopefully by tomorrow, he'll flip, and he'll be good. Okay, we can do that. I praised him at the beginning of the show for how he takes on the media, but that can't be all he does. He needs to actually do good things. And herein lies the problem, because here are some other things that I hate. Here is Nancy Pelosi talking about Donald Trump. This is really stupid stuff that Nancy Pelosi is going to say. What's even worse is what Chuck Schumer is about to say. So here's Nancy Pelosi. means winning for the American people, that either we win or whoever wins understands the priorities of the American people, and they are not what President Bush, excuse me, President I'm so sorry, Trump. President Bush. <laughs> I never thought I'd pray for the day that you were president again. But uh, you're praying for the day that President and, oh, Bush president, is president yes, again. Well, we worked, and so you asked the question: How would I work with a Republican president? The way we worked with President Bush, we got a great deal accomplished. We opposed him on the war in Iraq vociferously. We opposed him on his privatization of Social Security, but we worked with him on many other issues. Okay, so this is, of course. Revisionist history is a bunch of poo. It's not true. She doesn't care about Bush, but this is all an attempt to push Trump to the left. And there's Chuck Schumer standing there with the carrot saying to Trump, come on, come on, let's do some legislation together. So the bottom line is very simple. The president, if he works with us, particularly on issues like trade and infrastructure, we can work. But on the issues so far, taxes and health care, he doesn't consult us at all. He puts together a plan that's uh, very hard right, special interest, wealth oriented, and then says, you're... the way to be bipartisan is just support his plan. That's not how America works. But, but Okay, so he's trying to push Trump into a bipartisanship. Trump today came out and said that he would raise the national gas tax in order to fund his infrastructure project. This is the next, if this is the next move from Trump, then conservatives should be disappointed because the only major move that they've gotten from President Trump has been Gorsuch. And we're going to need more than that, Mr. President. We're going to need some actual conservative leadership. And, you know, if you don't believe me, then talk to people like Mark Levin, talk to, talk to people who voted for him and are very disappointed, talk to all the people in red states who voted for him. They did not bargain for this. And if, all, if you're just satisfied by President Trump mouthing off to John Dickerson on Face the Nation, then I guess we deserve what we get as conservatives. Okay, well, that was a depressing show. Tomorrow we'll try to do better. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Hey, 